I don't want to miss a thing. I don't want to miss a thing, Aerosmith. I don't want to miss a thing. I don't want to miss a thing. I miss you, babe. I don't want to close my eyes. I really miss you, babe. I don't want to miss a thing. Brothers and sisters, it is September the 21st. September the 21st, 2021, in the age of Bo Blimptock. We are living in a scruggly age of scruggly people where we don't want to close our eyes. We don't want to fall asleep. Because I got to kill you, babe, and I don't want you to see a thing. See, that's dark. And you could say, Dan, those aren't in the lyrics. That's not right. You know what I would say to your gumbo freak chatter? That might not be in your magical lyrics, but it's mine. I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep. I put the knife in the park. Did I bury it too deep? I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep. Because I don't want to hit somebody like I did two weeks ago. Yeah, I don't want to fall asleep. Don't want to close my eyes because I missed that stop sign. And now someone, yeah, else is, you know, missing somebody. Yeah, that's not a, that's not a happy song. I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep. I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep. Because I don't want to miss a thing. So I just have to say, if you're if you're listening on shortwave radio, this is WRMI out of Miami Okeechobee. This is 5950 kilohertz. The time of this recording is 10:22 a.m. Mountain Standard Time on Tuesday, September the 21st, 2021. But if you're listening on shortwave radio, it could be Saturday night. It could be Sunday night. It could be sometime between 11 p.m. and midnight Eastern Standard Time. And if you want the notes for this podcast broadcast, although I don't know why you would, just go to dfgtc.org. That's dfgtc.org slash show notes. And with those notes, you can unlock the power of Bozimulus. You'll be able to traverse the sky mountains and the sky tunnels. You'll make it all the way to the 8th or 12th zone of total understanding. And when you've reached the final spear, and you've reached the final level, and you've defeated the final boss with your laser beam cannon when you've reached the final place you'll be able to say Dan I had the power I had the power all all along
You know, I, I'm talking about these dumb movie things because this song is from that movie Armageddon. You know that movie Armageddon that came out in 1998? And it's like Bruce Willis saves the world by drilling into an asteroid. He's only got a couple of days. He's going to plant a nuke 800 feet inside the asteroid. And then with that nuclear weapon, Bruce Willis splits the asteroid in two, sending these halves of the asteroid in, in various willy-nilly directions, likely to kill some other civilization sometime in the future, right, Bruce? But you don't care, Bruce. You don't care because you're an old gumbly grease. You're, you're the man who traveled through space and then made everybody angry. You're the one who said we should have a starship. You're the one who said we should build a battle tank. You're the one who said, man... Yeah, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis saved the world. And again, I don't want to get into all the silliness of that film, not all of it. One of the interesting things is that same year, another movie came out called Deep Impact. And it was about a comet hitting the Earth. And I think in that movie, oh boy, I forget the guy's name, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall plays the old astronaut man that saves the world. So Bruce Willis in Armageddon plays the old oil dude that saves the world. But Robert Duvall in, uh, yeah, in Deep Impact plays the old astronaut man who landed on the moon and is now going to show the old young people how to land a, a spaceship on a comet. And it all sounds incredibly silly to me, really. It does. So there's another movie that came out in 2009 called Knowing with Nicolas Cage. And I gotta say, of all the Nicolas Cage movies I've seen, and I've probably seen more than I wish I've... I've probably seen more Nicolas Cage films than I probably wish I would have seen. They're not all terrible. It's just that once you... <laughs> Once you learn the terrible secret of Nicolas Cage, his last name makes more sense. Because I read a long time ago that Nicolas Cage had money problems. Like, he just would waste money on things, he'd buy some rare precious ruby and then toss it into the Indian Ocean or something. And if you live life like that, where you buy like something for millions of bucks and say, hey, look, honey, did you just see what I did? That's the power of Nicholas. That's Nicholas Cage to you. I just tossed that brand new Ferrari into the volcano. That's what you get to do if you're Nicolas Cage. But the movie Knowing, uh, Nicolas Cage plays a physicist, astrophysicist, astrophysicist, scientist type guy that works for MIT at Bo you know, in, in the city of Boston, works at MIT. That's the Massachusetts Institute of Technology where all the scientists are forging your future.
And of all the Nicolas Cage films I've seen, and let me explain the last name Cage first. Since Nicolas Cage has gotten himself into a lot of like financial issues, I think he's kind of in a cage. Like he has to make movies. Once you learn the terrible truth of Nicolas Cage, you understand that he has to make movies. He has to make films. He can't stop making films because he can't stop being Nicolas Cage. It's like its own positive feedback. Nicolas Cage, you know, needs money to be Nicolas Cage. But because he's Nicolas Cage, he needs money. So he has to be Nicolas Cage. And then he needs money because he's Nicolas Cage. It's a fairly sad situation. But again, the film knowing he plays a scientist, um, and his son gets this piece of paper with a bunch of numbers on it. <laughs> and again, it's just a piece of paper with a bunch of numbers on it from a time capsule that had been buried 50 years in the past. And on the piece of paper, spoiler alert, there are dates and locations of significant places and times where people died, to include September the 11th. And, and this film came out in 2009, so it's, you know, what, 12 years old? And, you know, the story moves along, and Nicolas Cage, being Nicolas Cage, gets all paranoid about the numbers, and he sees the date that his wife died the year before in a hotel fire in this on this piece of paper that was buried in the ground for 50 years. Yeah. Which is weird, right? That would be weird. And, and really, by the very end of the film, you're left with this kind of vague idea. By the end of the film, you realize that there's almost nothing that Nicolas Cage could have done to quote-unquote save the day. The great adventure was to find the truth, and the truth was most people were screwed. Like a, a great super solar flare, you know, spoiler alert, a super duper solar flare was going to wipe out the earth, and pretty much nothing, nobody would live. Now, of course, the aliens, or some other dimensional beings, it's not quite explained, I think, in the film, knowing who they are. But, but there's some type of special beings. And they gave us the secret. The secret of what was coming. The secret of the super flare that was going to fry us. It was going to fry us and die us and kill us and murder us. Thank you, aliens. Thank you for coming for our children. And at the end of the film, knowing the aliens come and they pick up all the kids and take them to some type of ostensibly psychedelic, weird, futuristic planet where these kids can, you know, partake in some sort of weird Scientology. And, you know, great. I mean, one of the, the features of the film, knowing, is it does kind of seem like they're tipping their hat to the concept of the rapture where, you know, the rapture is a belief amongst many, not all, but many Christians that prior to tribulations, prior to the worst parts of 
the apocalypse, the Lord in heaven will, will sequester, pull up, transport. All the faithful Christians of the church will rise to, unto heaven the way that, you know, Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. That's the rapture, that we'll ascend into heaven. The way that Christ and Elijah, how they ascended into heaven. And so at the end of the movie, knowing the aliens pick up all the kids and take them to psychedelic planet where the kids live out their lives, I don't know. They don't tell you what happens next. Maybe they end up in the wood chipper. You just don't know. You know, Nicolas Cage, you know, at the end of the film, ends up, you know, dying with his family, with his estranged father, who's a Christian pastor, and they're all in some sort of love hug, or lug, as the great flame, as the great fireball, as the great energy wave, zooms over them and fries them into a billion little particles, and then they're turned into the great fire, the fire explodes, and then they become the energy of tomorrow, and then they ascend to the next level to fight the boss. To fight the boss, to fight the video game, the video game warlord. Isn't that what happens next? When you die? When you die, don't you go and face the great video game warlord? Don't you face the warlord with... Fists of titanium and murder eyes. Don't you face the angry monster? Don't you face the powerful super robot that can grab you with its electro tentacles and pull your insides out of your butthole? You know, I've talked about these movies before. So this next movie I've talked about before is called Melancholia. And whereas Nicolas Cage plays a great kind of crazy dude, scientist, a person searching for and obsessed by the truth, and Bruce Willis plays a great, you know, tough guy, crazy oil driller who drills a hole in Uranus... And saves your world. Saves your world and your marriage by drilling a hole in Uranus. By getting down deep, Bruce Willis saved you with his love touch. Yeah, Bruce Willis. The film Melancholia came out in 2011, 10 years ago. And 
I don't want to go into too much on it. You know, Kirsten Dunst, Kirsten Dunst has a great nude scene in it. Well, more or less totally nude. Laying there by a stream in the moonlight. Very, 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 you know what. That being said, Kiefer Sutherland plays like the father figure. He plays Mr. Cleaver, so to speak. And the thing about him is that Kiefer Sutherland, I got to say this, when he plays an asshole, he plays a great asshole. He's like Matt Damon. When Matt Damon plays an asshole, he plays a great asshole. And the same thing with Kiefer Sutherland. He just plays a great jerk. And in the film, he's the guy telling people everything's okay and all the scientists are not worried and this weird planet is going to float on by and nothing is going to happen. Kiefer tells them, don't worry. There's no problem. This planet that looks like it's going to hit us is going to just going to fly on by. I wouldn't lie. My name is Kiefer. Kiefer Sutherland. My father's Donald. And he's insane. My name is Kiefer. My name is Kiefer. My name is Kiefer, and I am the Mr. Cleaver father figure, and I tell you that this planet called Melancholia, or whatever it's called, is going to float on by, and there's nothing to worry about, and ignore your crazy, your crazy but hot sister, Kirsten Dunst. And let's be honest, Kiefer says jokingly, crazy and hot often goes together. Yeah, Kiefer tells people in the movie, don't worry, nothing to worry about. And then, do you know who buys all the suicide pills? Do you know who buys all the death pills? Do you know who hides out in the barn with his suicide pills and kills himself like a coward in the corner, away from his wife, away from his kid, away from his crazy sister-in-law? Kiefer, right? And that's the thing. I, I don't know why this occurs to me, but right now you've got people in your life telling you to be afraid of things. And it's entirely plausible that they're lying to you. And if there is something to be concerned about, it's not the information you're receiving from authorities, Whoever these authorities are, I know you're going to say, but Dan, it's all cyclical and it's the fourth turning and it's the generational stuff. And, you know, no, I don't think so. I think that there are a lot of really nice rationalizations that the period of history we're in is so is so special that it's unstoppable. That you can't stop progress. You can't stop the forward momentum. But we define progress mostly in terms of the last couple hundred years, maybe the last 400 years of human civilization. That's most of the time where we say to ourselves, look at all the progress. But prior to that, it's hit, it's hit and miss, you know, science progresses, knowledge progresses, but it's not 
at incredible speeds, and there are dark ages and information gets lost. Like we're, we're told the history of the ancient world that we're told is true. But what if, and this is hypothetical, what if the Romans and the Greeks were more advanced than we realize? And you could say, well, Dan, we would know this from the books. Well, you'd know it from the books that survived. You would know it from the books you had left over. That's how you would know. I I don't want to I don't want to look at the news these days very often. I'll look at the news for something that looks funny or silly or absurd, but beyond that the news looks terrible. That's kind of where I'm at with most of this stuff. Next topic. So, I've been living in Utah since roughly April. The 1st of April, the first week of April, April Fool's Day, more or less. I have been a fool in Utah since April. And yeah, it's not perfect, but compared to where I was at in Seattle, it's a lot better. You know, I can afford to live here. I could not afford to live in Seattle. I could not afford to live there without going insane. It just was not going to happen. There are lots of people that like it there, and God bless you. I think Mayor Jenny Durkin is a disaster. That is the nicest way of putting it. Governor Inslee is worse. But again, a lot of people need to have the things that they need to believe right now. And I'm not going to piss on your parade. If, if the weird fantasies of reality that keep you going, keep you going, I'm not going to say God bless because I think the Lord wants us to pursue the truth. But I'm going to say okay, right? I'm doing no better than you. Yesterday I had a pretty good work day. I did. I got a lot of stuff done. And then today I'm staring into the distance and saying to myself, I just want to get drunk. So I'm not going to judge you. I can't. I have been in Utah since basically April. And I am staying with a friend, renting a room, um... And it's, you know, it's not perfect, like I said, but it's pretty good. It's, an, it's a good place to be right now. The folks I'm around are pretty decent people, and they have dogs. They have three dogs, and I have been taking them for a walk. One of them is a Sharpay named Boomer. Now, I don't know a lot about Sharpays. I think there's probably some weird history involving breeding them to attack, you know, the Tyrannosaurus Rex or something. I will say Boomer has a neck muscle or a neck. He has a neck that feels like it's all muscle and steel. And when he starts like doing that thing dogs do, when they start moving their neck and their upper torso side to side at incredible speed, he can adjust your back. Like he can give you a, a, a chiropractic adjustment if you're not careful. I've had a few run-ins with Boomer going wolf, wolfing out, and not really catching it in time when he's on the leash. And it's one of these retractable leashes, and it's like he's pulling the line out. And I should have pushed that little button, but I didn't. And then, and then he rips your shoulder out. But the funny thing is, there's a little spot where a homeless dude was camping. I think back in May, okay, so about four, four months ago, this homeless dude was camping out in this lot where I take the dogs for a walk, and we call it the poop lot because a lot of dogs go out there, that's where they want to poop. And so, you know, they go off the trail into the bushes and they poop there for their privacy, you know, for their dignity.
And so this homeless dude was living in the poop lot and he took a couple poops and I caught the dogs, you know, I walk them by that spot and they'll be all, you know, curious and I've caught them, kept them from disturbing it. But the thing is that poop just stayed there for, you know, for days and days and weeks and weeks. It dried out in the high desert, in the hot sun, into a, a human poop, you know, bri briquette. Yeah, human poop briquette. And Boomer, I've kept him from eating it. Like, I've watched him. He'll want to eat it. I'll say, dump that. Don't eat it. He sometimes listens. But mostly he's left it alone because I've caught him in time. He'll go over towards it. He'll want to eat that dried out poop. But I catch him in time. Well, I haven't been walking him in that poop lot much in the last couple weeks because of the rain. And so we go walking out there. And there's a, a an old chunk, half of that old chunk of dried out human poop just laying there by the trail, black and dark and gross and foreboding. And I wasn't watching. I was tired. It was early in the morning. What am I supposed to do after a night of cocaine? And so Boomer catches that look. He catches it in the corner of his eye. He sees that dried out human poop. He makes his move. He just gulps it down pretty fast. pretty fast with, with Boomer. Boomer the Sharpay. And he's a nice dog. He's a nice dog. But he's an angry dog sometimes. And he's got that look on his face where his face shrivels up. And I'm thinking, come on, Boomer. It can't be that bad. But I swear that dried out human poop was the most important thing. The most important thing for Boomer. It was on his mind for weeks and months. It was on his mind for a while. He knew it was there. He knew it was his. He knew it was his treasure. There's something in that dried out human poop. Something that attracts the dogs. It's a special flavor. special flavor but it's disturbing is it not when you think about it a little bit disturbing I don't know dogs will eat I you know one of the things I've observed observed with dogs including my sister's dog beans is dogs will eat you know kitty poop cat poop and I don't know maybe that's okay I'm sure it's got extra protein in it you know the dogs we've got buzzards that live in this cottonwood tree and they're always, you know, up there peeing and pooping. And it's, it's actually getting kind of annoying to the point where I want to get a Ruger 1022 carbine suppressed. And maybe, you know, take care of some of them there buzzards. I know that's wrong. But every once in a while, the buzzards will vomit up a little baby mouse or some small bird. A little chick they ate. And the dogs will look for that, too. It's like a special nugget. Like, hey, there's a chunk of vomited up tiny animal that those buzzards vomited up. Go and, you know, or the owl did or something. Go and get yourself some of that. That's some special jungus right there. Yeah, you're probably saying this is a terrible topic. So what I'll do is I'll move on to the next topic. Next topic... <laughs> So I had to replace the inner tubes in my bike, tricycle, uh, and, and I hope it works. I bought these inner tubes that are called slime. They're, they're, they're advertised to have a liquid inside of them. It's a green liquid. When I was filling up the tires this morning, some of that green liquid 
came up through the oh the little valve the metal valve on the tire where you plug the tire pump and then you add to the fact that I bought the wrong pump I, I yeah so when we went to Walmart I did two things that are wrong because the nearest Walmart's like 40 miles away and the two things I did was wrong is I got the wrong size inner tube wrong and so I had to reorder it on Amazon. So I figured I might as well get these slime inner tubes. I might as well get these slime inner, inner tubes because they say that they're self-healing or self-sealing or filled with sexual healing. I'm not sure what, but I'm going to put them in the frickin' tire and put them back on the trike and see what happens. But some of that grombozoid came up through the valve and it was a little worrisome. I wasn't sure what was going on. And the other thing I was thinking too is I know that in the movies and professional bike people will put the tire on a tire balancer so that the inner tube is properly balanced inside the tire. But what kind of wicked bullshit is that? I don't have the time or the resources to have a special centrifugal tire balancer. And sure, the tire might end up wobbly and distorted. It might end up with bulges and blombozoids. It could spill out like bad Nintendo surgery during sex. I've noticed this weird pattern with me in recent months where I it's been too easy for me to give up. It's gotten way too easy just to give up. And it's not that I... It's not as simple as the whole believing in yourself. It's not really that. And it's not even, I could say, as simple as believing in other people. I mean, that's always been a big question mark. Trusting people. It's more of an issue of the future. Like, if you were to ask me, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again. If you ask me, what is an hour of my daytime when I am not asleep or exercising? What is an hour of my time worth? And a lot of people will think of this in terms of how many years they have left, but that's wrong. You should think in terms of how many functional working years you have left. Best case scenario, I think I have like 10 or 15, maybe. Maybe 20, but I doubt it. And if I can't work, I don't really think I'm going to have much of a quality of life because I probably won't have any resources. So, you know, 10 or 15 years. And if you say to you, well, Dan, you know... Okay, realistically, how many years do you think you have left? And I'd say, I think I have five, maybe six. Five or six, maybe. It's hard to say. I don't really think there's this amazingly spectacular future waiting out there for you or I. I'm not saying the world's coming to an end, but I do think the world is about to go through a transition. And the transition's going to be really difficult. And that's a nice way of putting it. And so a lot of people are just not going to make it. It's not good or bad or right or wrong. It's just fate. It's just life. People die. People get cancer. People get sick. One of the things people forgot during the great monkey herpes, Rona, Corona, My Sharona, COVID pandemic of dancing nurses and other bullshit. One of the things people have forgotten is people just die. People die. People die when they're 10 years old, 15 years old. Babies die during birth. Mothers die giving birth. People die. Some people get a long, long life. They get to live a long life. They get to live all the way to be 100 and boblimtok years old. And they can eat and they can make love and they can smoke cigarettes and drink their whiskey right up until the end. 
And that's, and that's a blessing to them. And some people get a couple years. Some people are born with illnesses, born with um, handicaps and issues and problems and health problems and other types of things that are challenges. Some people are born already with the Grim Reaper staring at them. I, I can't tell you how long you're going to live. I'm telling you how long I think I'm going to live past this date, about five years maybe. And so how much is an hour of my time worth? You see, to me at this point in my life, I would say a million bucks. It sounds crazy, but to me it makes perfect sense. There's probably not an amount of money. I mean, it may not be a million bucks. It could be a lot less than that. There might be a magic number that, that is somehow related to the current status of junk bonds. Because, believe it or not, this subject is related to junk bonds. Junk bonds are high-yield bonds, which means they should yield a high return. Why, though? Why do junk bonds return a high yield? Well, because they're crap because they're risky, because potentially you could lose all your money. So yes, they have a high yield because they have a high probability of failure. So when I look at how many hours of work or life or time I have left, and then I say, how much is that hour worth? Especially given from my perspective, I've lived a slavish existence to a broken disease system most of my adult life. And so in some ways, a lot of that time to include and especially college is wasted time. Those books I read thinking they'd make me so enlightened, might have been books that were designed to mind-screw me, to mess with me. Those classes you took, the work you did, maybe you served in the military like I did, all those things you did dedicated to a broken disease system, a system that was never going to do anything other than take advantage of you. So you got only so many hours left and the question is simple. How much is an hour of your time worth? And to me, all I can tell you is most people can't afford it. That is one of my struggles right now. I have a job and I am trying as best I can to do a good job, but my attitude stinks. And I don't really believe that there's going to be anything like the normality that we've gotten used to, you know, in America since World War II, I think that's almost over. And it's just a question of when. And I'm pretty certain, and I'm going to tell you this, they're, they're not going to warn you. You're not going to get warning. So maybe, maybe you'll get some weird market behaviors towards the end, but they're not going to tell you when this particular show stops. They will keep every spinning plate in the air as long as they can up until the last minute. And if that means printing money to the point of hyperinflation, yeah, I think Jerome Powell will edge his way there. Edging, he'll edge at a medium pace, you know, all at Adam Sandler. I think that Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve, will edge his way there. But yeah, I think that eventually we'll end up printing our way to hyperinflation. But the key thing is they're going to try to keep all the plates spinning. Whatever the purpose of this current phase of the lie is, it is to convince people that, oh, we're almost back to normal. And look at all those job openings. And look at, oh my gosh, someone just sold their house for 80 Boblimtok dollars. On the other hand, there's more and more supply chain pixelation, which means items that just sort of disappear for a while or disappear forever. There's more and more weird stuff going on logistically. And there's more of these stories that the government 
and, and the media, I should say the government media complex, there's more of these news stories, these weird stories about logistics failures that don't make any sense. As a collection of coincidences, it seems way too coincidental, but you never know. You never know, next topic. So I fixed my tricycle and I took it for a ride. I went down to Glimbley's off of Grogdon Street. I got myself a breakfast meat sandwich. I, I got myself a protein slab sandwich. They put the trunket sauce on it. They covered it in brimbley grease. They shoved in a, a potato torpedo. They shoved in a dringlet. They shoved in post post-recycled toilet paper so I could wipe my face with my asshole. Yeah, I fixed my tricycle and I went down to the, the Flimbit store where they sell the meat sandwiches that you shove into your face because another day the sun smiles upon you and that chest pain is it's going to get better. You've been treating your chest pain by drilling holes into your chest cavity just like Dr. Grunkus said you should. You've been having pains running up and down your arms. You've been seeing things. You've been smelling toast. So I got my my crumblet sandwiches. I got my potato torpedo that I shoved down my Grampus pipe. I smothered it all in the blackest grease that they give you. I sat in the dark for 15 minutes and then I went out to my tricycle to go home. And there was an old man driving in the parking lot. He looked to be over 300 years old. He was driving some kind of old sedan. I think it was a late model something or other from some type of country that we once dropped an atom bomb on. And he pulls out in front of me, staring straight ahead. He does not make eye contact. He sits there. He looks like he's dead. He pulled out in front of me. He just stared in the glass and then he looked at me and then moved his little scraggly hand like he was the queen as if to usher me on as if I could have read his old scraggly mind vibes. But I wonder about that old man.
I wonder about that old man. Now you'd say, Dan, why are you telling this, this ridiculous story? Because to me, this is more relevant to my day than any of the crap I'll read on Zero Hedge or the New York Times or the Scrudge Report, Drudge Report. I don't want to listen to Alex Jones tell me about the FEMA camps. I don't want to hear about all the vaccine cops that are going to come to my door because I don't really believe any of it. I'm not sure that I believe any of the vaccine injury stuff. Yeah, yeah, people I trust have told me stories. The problem is, is that human psychology is a factor. And people will make themselves sick based upon a belief system. So, no, I don't believe even the vaccine injury stories. People say, oh, yes, Dan, you're right. The, the virus was a psyop. But that's because they want you to take the vaccine. And then the vaccine's going to kill you. But they could poison the food. They could do all sorts of things. They could have killed us all years ago. There are so many ways that they could probably kill us. I'm not saying it would be easy. Any technique, okay, this is really important. Because this is where I'm going to... Oh, disagree with that great expert of national security, Zbigniew Brzezinski, that old, dead, anti-commie, but in reality, uber-commie, deep-state monster piece of crap. He believed it was easier to kill millions of people than to control millions of people. I'm going to tell you, it's not really easy to do either. But the best way to control people is to convince them to simply obey. To simply get along. The best way to control people is with psyops. You know? It, 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 this, is, this is a part of the way humans do things and have done things for thousands of years. This is the equivalent of scaring the buffalo over the cliff. So, I don't think it's that easy to kill millions of people. But I do think it's relatively easy to convince a lot of people that they're sick. Now, you tell me what the purpose is. I don't know. You don't know. I think we're going to find out pretty soon. But whatever the purpose is or was, I don't, like I said, I don't even believe these vaccine injury stories. I don't want to open up the news to have them tell me about what the latest insult from China was. Not really interested in the ever grande Ever larger, isn't that a funny name? Ever larger, ever grande, property scheme disaster in China. I'm not interested. I saw that coming years ago. It's not quite as bad there yet as I expected, but all of this was obvious to me years ago. When people said China's going to take over the world, I would say, you know, they said the same thing about Japan 20 years ago, 30 years ago, back in the 80s. And then their eyes glaze over and they walk along. Funny thing is, the great Japanese recession that's never ended started as a result of the 1989-1990 housing bubble, you know, crash in, in Japan, mostly centered around Tokyo. It, you know, so who knows? But the news is mostly crap. I don't know what's true, what's false. I've, I've woken up some days and postulated that it's possible that mostly people in the United States are being lied to. But then, and that would be good news in a way, because that would imply that whatever is coming is mostly a localized event. Which means, you know, it's not... It's not worldwide calamitous, just local United States calamity. But I don't know. I feel as if we're close, and it is the only thing I'm certain of, but I have felt as if we were close for almost a year. For almost a year, it seemed as if we were right on the edge. Starting in October of 2020, it seemed as if the stupid was certainly getting dumber, but it seemed as if the rate of dumb 
uh, was such that it had to be close. But since then, we've seen all kinds of silly, completely sideways, backwards, upside down, ridiculous, stupid nonsense. And it's only getting dumber. So I don't know. It seems as if it's close, but maybe it's still a year away. Here's one thing I'll say, and I've said this before. If it is still a year away, whatever it is, it's it's going to be pretty bad. The longer this is postponed, which means the longer this nonsense COVID hokey pokey lasts, the worse it is. And, and I got to say, with what happened in Afghanistan and just the general attitude of people right now, I think we're close. I don't think people are putting up with the COVID nonsense like they used to, even if they play the pretend game, even if they get the vaccine and say, oh, I got the vaccine. I, I think people are beginning to see through it. And that's the problem. When your PSYOP, when your military psychological warfare operation starts to dissolve, what then? Well, as I've said, I don't think they control the schedule. I don't think, as Zbigniew Brzezinski said, it's so easy to kill millions of people. But it might be relatively easy to keep people confused until something else kills them. You see, something else might be the thing. It might not be FEMA camps or killer viruses or vaccines. It might not be race wars or BLM or Antifa. It might not be the Chinese army or the Russian army. It might not be nuclear war. It might just be some random thing where certain people in positions of power think they know something's going to happen. And it's going to be so bad that most people won't live through it. And the people that do will not be interested in Pizzagate or Hillary Clinton or George Soros or Donald Trump. They'll be too busy just trying to survive. It explains the arrogance, all the arrogance I'm seeing. It, it, it explains the attitude of a lot of people that it just doesn't matter. It explains on an unconscious level why people kind of are just giving up. Because something that bad could be right around the corner. I hope it's not. But what I am fairly certain of is that the COVID monkey herpes is not the problem. It's not the problem. It's just the thing to keep you confused. So if you're listening on shortwave radio, this has been the Planetary Status Report, 5950 kilohertz out of Miami, Okeechobee. The notes for this show can be found by going to dfgtc.org slash show notes. And thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me your time. Thank you for giving me your ear. On this Tuesday, or whatever day you're listening to this, have a great day, okay?